The Socialist Correspondent is an anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist journal. It supports all those fighting for peace and socialism. Podcast 88. Western Disinformation and Ukraine. The UK reportage on the conflict in Ukraine has been exceptionally well controlled by the British state. Besides being one-sided in its reporting and untruthful, the narrative has been relentlessly repeated and its descriptive language has been propagandistic. This includes the assertions that, quote, the Russian invasion was unprovoked, that it was, quote, a full-scale invasion, and that Russia intended to take over Ukraine and then move on to invade other countries. Anyone who questioned this narrative was described as a Putin apologist. To argue that the Russian invasion was unprovoked is to ignore the promises made by the West that NATO would not expand eastwards after the defeat of the Soviet Union. NATO, in fact, has steadily expanded towards Russia's borders, threatening its security. Some former US political and military leaders have pointed this out as crossing Russia's red lines, but that has been lost amidst the West's propaganda barrage. And then there were the Minsk agreements of 2014-15 and those under the Normandy format of 2019, which could have prevented the conflict if these agreements had been implemented by Ukraine. However, Angela Merkel, German Chancellor at the time, one of the signatories to the Minsk agreements, admitted in December 2022 that the agreements had been, quote, an attempt to give Ukraine time and that Ukraine used it to strengthen its armed forces. François Hollande, former French president, also one of the signatories, has confirmed Merkel's statement. The Russians repeatedly warned the West about their breaches of promise from 1991. The Minsk agreements of 2014-15 and of 2019 were not enforced on Ukraine by Germany and France under the sway of the US. Ukraine continued to bombard Donetsk and Luhansk, causing some 14,000 civilian deaths. This was the background to Russia launching its military operation. It was not an unprovoked invasion. No serious military analyst would honestly characterise the Russian special military operation as a full-scale invasion, other than for propaganda purposes. The Russians had fewer than 200,000 mobilised troops on the border with Ukraine in February 2022. This number was much less than what would have been required to occupy and control a vast country the size of Ukraine, with a population of some 40 million, and large armed forces trained by NATO. By comparison, it should be recalled that Nazi Germany invaded the Soviet Union with 3 million troops, 600,000 vehicles, more than 500 tanks and 2,000 aircraft. The Nazi invasion moved at lightning speed through Ukraine before reaching the environs of Moscow. That is what one would describe as a full-scale invasion. Related to this false description of Russian actions is the oft-repeated narrative that Russia was thwarted in its attempt to take Kiev. The Russians never intended to occupy Kiev. Their incursion from the north towards Kiev was a military manoeuvre to tie down Ukrainian forces protecting Kiev so that Russia's limited aim to secure Donetsk and Luhansk could be successfully achieved. Victoria Newland then U.S. Assistant Secretary of State, 
attended the 2014 Maidan uprising in Ukraine, supporting the protesters. Prior to that, in December 2013, she said in a speech to the US-Ukraine Foundation that the US had spent about $5 billion on democracy-building programmes in Ukraine since 1991. These would have been better termed regime change programmes. A recording of a phone call made on 28th of January 2014 between Newland and US Ambassador to Ukraine Jeffrey Payat was published on YouTube on the 4th of February 2014. Newland and Payat were discussing who they thought should be the next Ukrainian government. Newland told Payat that Arseniy Yatsenyuk would be the best candidate to become the next Prime Minister. The coup against the Viktor Yanukovych government, orchestrated by the Americans and carried out by Azov and Right Sector and other neo-Nazi formations, brought to power Newland's choice, Arseniy Yatsenyuk. He became Prime Minister on the 27th of February 2014. Newland was the US lead person guaranteeing a loan of $1 billion and the provision of assistance to the Ukrainian military and border guard in 2014. Five years later, Zelensky won the presidential election of 2019 with a commitment to end the fighting in eastern Ukraine, make peace with Russia and tackle corruption. However, he soon jettisoned his pledges, did not implement the Minsk agreements and under the control of the US and the UK did not make a deal with Russia. There is considerable evidence that the endemic corruption in Ukraine has continued unabated, indeed increased, with the huge amounts of dollars and military equipment transferred by the West since 2022. The US had long held the aim of stopping Russian gas getting to Europe and replacing it with American liquefied natural gas. They had the support of countries in Eastern Europe, notably Ukraine and Poland, who campaigned within the EU to stop Nord Stream 2. In an interview with ABC News on the 7th of February 2022, US President Biden said, quote, If Russia invades Ukraine, then there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it. The reporter then asked, But how will you do that exactly since the project is in German control? Biden answered, I promise you, we will be able to do that. On the 26th of September 2022, the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up. In the immediate aftermath of the pipeline bombing, using the argument that the sabotage could only have been done by a state actor, Russia was repeatedly cited as a likely culprit, spurred on by calculated leaks from the White House. However, blaming Russia flew in the face of all logic. Why would the Russians blow up their own pipeline worth billions of dollars? Even the New York Times noted the apparent mystery of, quote, why, if Russia bombed its own pipelines, it would begin the expensive work of repairing them. The various contorted arguments that the Russians were to blame eventually gave way to another explanation with the discovery of the yacht Andromeda, said to have been implicated. The West refused to allow Russia to be part of the investigations, and now all has gone quiet. On the 3rd of April, 2023, the Washington Post reported, under the headline, Don't Talk About Nord Stream, that, quote, For all the intrigue around who bombed the pipeline, some Western officials are not so eager to find out. The report went on. 
At gatherings of European and NATO policymakers, officials have settled into a rhythm, said one senior European diplomat. Don't talk about Nord Stream. Leaders see little benefit from digging too deeply and finding an uncomfortable answer, the diplomat said, echoing sentiments of several peers in other countries who said they would rather not have to deal with the possibility that Ukraine or allies were involved. Officials said they were loath to share suspicions that could accidentally anger a friendly government that might have had a hand in bombing Nord Stream. End quote. At a United States congressional hearing in early 2023, Newland stated, I am gratified, and I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. U.S. investigative journalist Seymour Hersh has made the claim that U.S. Navy divers planted explosives on the pipelines during NATO exercises held in June 2022, before remotely activating the bombs, with the assistance of Norway three months later on the 26th of September. The US has described the claim as, quote, completely and utterly false. Hirsch was proved to be correct about the My Lai massacre in Vietnam decades ago and the Abu Ghraib prison tortures in Iraq more recently, both of which were denied by the US at the time. Hirsch's account of the sabotage of Nord Stream is the most credible to date. Hirsch, in referring to open source intelligence, OSINT, wrote about how the West deals with its covert operations. Quote, the first thing you look at is how to take care of the open source people, make them think what happened isn't happening. Alicia Cairns, Conservative MP who chairs the UK Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee, said in a debate on Ukraine, quote, on information operations, we've done an incredible job. The UK has led on this internationally, exposing the reality of what is happening on the ground and the false flags. I pay tribute to Bellingcat and the Centre for Information Resilience, which have done incredible work. End quote. The UK government has given at least £2.7 million to the OSINT London-based Centre for Information Resilience, the CIR, since January 2021. About 40% of this has been provided since the 24th of February 2022, when Russian forces entered Ukraine. On the 18th of December 2022, CIR tweeted, Like our other OSINT projects, it's more than just plotting developments on a map. At its heart, our work is about justice and accountability. We knew that the Kremlin would try everything to distort the information environment. Our resolve to stop them remains. CIR was founded by two Foreign Office veterans, Ross Burley and Adam Rutland. When he worked for the Foreign Office, Burley served in London, Washington and Tel Aviv and, quote, designed, implemented and led several of the UK government's counter-disinformation programmes, end quote, from 2017 to 2020. Burley still works for the UK government's cross-government stabilisation unit as a civilian deployable expert in strategic communications. The government deploys such civilian experts to, quote, support UK government activities in fragile and conflict-affected states and to multilateral missions. In May 2022, Burley spoke in the session Under Fire, Russia's Invasion and the Global Information Space, 
at a conference hosted by NATO's Strategic Communications Centre of Excellence in Riga, Latvia. At the same conference, another session was held under the title Formulating a Rules-Based Order for the Digital Age, Big Tech in the Spotlight. Speakers at this session included David Agronovich, Director, Global Threat Disruption at Meta, Facebook, and Dr. Yoel Roth, Senior Director, Safety and Integrity at Twitter. David Agronovich coordinates disruption of influence operations, cyber espionage and adversarial networks across Meta. Prior to joining Facebook, Agranovich served as Director for Intelligence at the National Security Council, the NSC, in the White House. Dr. Roth is the Senior Director of Safety and Integrity at Twitter. At university, his research included how the choices of developers, designers and policymakers can systematically push certain types of identities and communities to the digital margins. The CIR's seven-person advisory board includes Cindy Otis, who spent 10 years as a CIA analyst, Thomas Hendrik, Ilvers, a former Estonian foreign minister who led the country's NATO accession process, Mo Hussein, a former chief press officer at 10 Downing Street and media advisor in the Ministry of Defence, and Elizabeth Braw, a fellow at the neoconservative American Enterprise Institute. Bellingcat. Taking on the Kremlin from his couch, Elliot, Higgins and Bellingcat are fighting Vladimir Putin and his ilk using little more than computers and smartphones, according to foreign policy. Elliot Higgins, founder of Bellingcat, was a senior fellow in the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensics Research Lab, DFR Lab, from 2016 to 2019. The UK government has given the DFR Lab £6.7 million since 2018. In 2015, Higgins co-authored the book Hiding in Plain Sight, Putin's War in Ukraine, published by the Atlantic Council. The Atlantic Council is NATO's unofficial think tank. It receives funding from the US Department of Defence, arms manufacturers Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, Facebook, Goldman Sachs and the UK Foreign Office, each contribute more than $1 million. The NATO Strategic Communications Centre of Excellence was founded in January 2014 by Estonia, Germany, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland and the UK. The Centre's May 2022 seminar introduction explained that, quote, Today, NATO acts in three dimensions of operations – the physical, cyber and cognitive aspects, and outlined how the workshop would centre on the cyber and cognitive realms, focusing especially on, quote, the role the media can and should play as a gatekeeper that frames conversations and interprets narratives. Mark Leite, Director, Communications Division, NATO's Supreme Headquarters, Allied Powers Europe, wrote... It is no exaggeration to say that at the height of their crisis, it was groups like the Ukraine Crisis Media Centre and Stop Fake that brilliantly carried the main burden of Ukraine's communication effort. But we, with all our resources, have hugely benefited from the independent efforts of groups like Bellingcat and the Atlantic Council, as well as individual experts. Not only did they bring expertise, they also brought credibility. 
Whether deserved or not, we live in an age of distrust of institutions and they are more trusted than we are. If you'd like to read more or to subscribe to the journal, you can do this via our website at www.thesocialistcorrespondent.org.uk.